Hey everyone, my name is Jason Parker, and I want to welcome you to the Coastal Church Podcast. I'm super excited for you to hear this message. We believe that God wants to speak to us, and we hope that you're open to hear what he has to say to you today. Enjoy. Well, it is absolutely great to be here. I have got to wear my worship leading hat a couple of times here at Coastal, and I've had the opportunity to play in the band way back in the high school days, and then onto the Lions Club days. I don't know that I was ever here in the curling rink days, but man, you guys have had a few venue changes, but doesn't it feel good to be home? Doesn't it feel good to have a space to call your own? <clears throat> but I have yet to be invited, well tonight, I guess, I, I guess at this point I have been invited, uh, but up until now, I haven't been invited to share, to speak, to preach, to open God's word with you. Um, but I guess I'll cut Jay some slack because he had a good excuse for not inviting me. See, over the last year or so, 11 months, I guess, not quite a full year, uh, I've been busy, much like you guys are very familiar with, planting a church in the south end of Yarmouth. And we've called it South Church. And on September 26th, when you guys celebrate three years as a church, we will be celebrating one year as a church. And it is absolutely incredible what God has done. I praise God for what he's done. We are praising God for what he has done over the last year. Um, in the first service, somebody informed me that Barrington is 74 kilometers away from Yarmouth, uh, which makes sense. You know, on paper, you have a church in Yarmouth, you have a church in Barrington, 74 kilometers in between. Yeah, I can get on board with that. Good allotment of resources and time and energy and that kind of thing. South Church is 2.6 kilometers away from our sending church uh, in the south end of Yarmouth. It doesn't make a lot of sense on paper at all. It doesn't make a lot of sense to plant a church uh, in a town of 6,000, 2.6 kilometers away from the church that is sending us. But a year ago, almost about 30 of us uh, left, embarked from Yarmouth Wesleyan. We were sent commissioned to go plant this new thing that we were feeling, that we were sensing that God was doing in the south end. And while it may only be 2.6 kilometers away geographically, physically speaking, it might as well be 2,000 kilometers away in terms of how different it is. And it has been uh, a year full of highs and lows and figuring out who God is, is calling us to be and what he's asking us to do and what the best way to go about doing that is. But he has been so, so faithful. In fact, we're just trying to keep up with what God is doing. Uh, he's, he's running out ahead of us and he's saying, like, are you guys coming along? Like, come on, I, I, I have stuff that I want to do. I have lives that I want to change. Um, Around Christmas time, we started what we're calling the South Pantry. There's a lot of physical needs, just tangible needs that people have in the South End. And so we started packing grocery bags full of non-perishables and toiletries and essential household kind of items. And last month, I believe we crossed the 500 bags mark. We've put 500 bags of groceries into the South End and, and some surrounding communities. Uh, twice a month, people line up to come and, and just no questions asked, no strings attached, just get what you need. And the relationships that have started forming because we're meeting tangible needs have been absolutely incredible. Because it's not about the tangible stuff, you realize that, right? Tangible stuff is fine, it's good, it's helpful even. But the one who has the power to transform generations is Jesus. 
And through these relationships, we're pointing people to Jesus. Long story, I'll spare you the details. A few weeks ago, we were given an ice cream bike, like a Dickie Lee, Dickie D kind of bike, whatever those things are. And, and a guy in our church put a cooler on the back of it, and we fill it with ice cream, and we ride around, like giving our legs a workout, ride around the South End, just heaving ice creams and freezies to whatever kid uh, is lucky enough to be standing on the side uh, of the road at any given time. It's all relationships building. It's building trust in the neighborhood. It's helping people understand that God is good. And I've been a pastor for 15 years, which is not a long time. There are some pastors in the room who have been pastors for a lot longer than 15 years. But it's been long enough to see God do some stuff. And when we first started South Church, this is a little bit of a confession to you. I'd been a pastor for a long time, and I said, Lord, if we could see one person put their faith in you, if we could see one person be baptized, it would be absolutely worth it. I'm, I'm eyeing your baptism tank over here. It's really fancy. We've got a fish tub at uh, South Church that we haul out and we fill it full of water. And if you stand just right and bend your knees at just the right angle, most people don't hit their head on the other side of it as we lower them in the water. But praise the Lord, this last Sunday, we baptized our 16th person who's put their faith in Jesus. And we've got three more ready to go. <clears throat> Three more ready to go before we hit our one-year anniversary uh, next month in four or five weeks' time. But when we, when we set out, uh, you know, this is not about Tom, this is not about South Church, this is not about a team of people or an efficient organization or anything like that. I share these things with you purely to bring glory to God. Because, man, I mess this up. I mess this thing up every time I turn around. And people have to kind of hold me to task and like, are you, are you sure you know what you're doing? But it's good because God is good. And uh, we planted South Church with kind of two thoughts in mind. First of all, this was going to be a church in the South End for the South End. So it's going to be a little more raw. It's going to be a little more bare bones. In fact, as I preach... I am really used to the congregation not just saying, like, amen, but like, wait, 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 stop. What are you saying? I don't think I buy that. Can you, like, what do you mean? Uh, so this will work a lot better tonight if you could, like, stop me and interrogate me and ask a few questions and that kind of thing while I'm trying to preach up here. It would make me feel a lot more at home. So don't sit on anything if you're thinking it. Just say it, okay? That's, that's what we're used to. That's the first thing. The second thing that we felt like God was calling us to this church on was three little words. And really, this is a reflection of what God has been doing in my life these last few years, and I'll share that story another time maybe if they ask me to come back. But three little words that I think have the power to change everything. I, I am firmly convicted that how you think of God affects every facet of your life. What you think God is like affects everything else. It affects how you spend your time. It affects how you spend your money. It, it affects how you actually behave. 
And I've interacted with a lot of people over the last 15 years of pastoring, and I've heard a lot of stories, and I keep bumping into a similar kind of thing over and over again. I've pastored in New Brunswick and Nova Scotia, all Atlantic Canada, but there seems to be this mentality out there that a lot of people picture God as an angry old man in the sky with his arms crossed and his brow furrowed, and he's just waiting for you to step out of line so he can get you. Everything fun, he tells you not to do. And if you dare step out of line, he's going to get you. Anybody resonate with that understanding of God? When I was a kid, I don't, know, I don't know if any Sunday school teacher ever explicitly said that to me, but that's what I picked up as a kid. I'm a little bit of a church rat. I've been in church my entire life, Sunday school, summer camp, youth group, the whole deal. And the picture that I picked up of who God was was an angry guy just waiting to get me. And God in his goodness has been revealing to me through his word that that's not who God is at all. And I have this burning in my bones that I've got to get out. I need to to just yell it into the neighborhood. I feel like we are in the south end of Yarmouth to deliver one simple message. And we're going to go about it in a variety of different ways, through a, a variety of different means, but it is all to get this message into the minds and hearts of the people in the neighborhood. And that's what I want to talk to you about for a few minutes tonight. I said three little words. God likes you. God likes you. People often think, you know, we've heard, oh yeah, God loves you. Well, of course he loves you. He's God. He created you. He kind of is contractually obligated to love me. That's what God does. In fact, in the boiler room of the elementary school where South Church meets, there's a sticker stuck to the electrical panel. And we found it the very first day that we were investigating this venue to put a church in. And the sticker says, God loves you. No one else does. You probably know some people like that, right? That God loves and maybe nobody else does. People are familiar with the idea that, yeah, God probably loves me because that's who God is and that's what he's supposed to do. But I don't think he likes me very much. And I have this overwhelming sense that God actually likes you. And to me, that makes all the difference. And so if you brought a Bible tonight, open up uh, to the Gospel of John, chapter 3. I say this all the time at South Church, and I almost said it again. In fact, I'm going to say it again. So, Brett, I might be putting you on the line here. If you don't have a Bible that you own that you can understand, okay, a Bible that you own and that you can understand, Coastal Church will put one in your hands, okay? Go see Brett. We will get you a Bible if you don't have one that you can actually read and understand. I think it's very important that you have a Bible that you can read and understand. But if you you brought your Bible that you can read and understand, open it up to the Gospel of John, chapter 3. This is one of the most famous passages in all of Scripture. Some of you can probably quote it back to me. John, chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Some of you probably have this passage memorized in the King James or the NIV. I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation, and it reads slightly differently than you might have it memorized. So just listen to this. John chapter 3, 
verses 16 and 17. It says, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. And so Coastal Church, what I want you to understand and what I'm going to really lean into here tonight in a couple of different ways is this idea that God actually likes you. And if God likes you, if God liked you enough that he would send his son to die a brutal death on a cross and through his power raise him back to life again because that is what would put us back in right relationship with God the Father, if God liked you that much, that means a few things that I think we need to investigate for the rest of our time together tonight. The first thing is this. If God already likes you, it means that you don't have to work at impressing him. I have bumped into an awful lot of people who are convinced they could never come to church or that they could never come to God because their life is too messy. I have met some messy people over the last year. People who are convinced that until I get my life kind of patched together and I've kind of worked out my demons and I can put on a better front, God doesn't want anything to do with me. I need you to understand that there is no good in this world that you could do that is going to get God to like you any more than he does at this exact moment in time. And I need you to understand that there is no bad in this world that you could commit that would cause God to like you any less than he does in this exact moment in time. But we act like there are certain things that we could do to get God to like us a little bit more, right? We kind of like putting our church face on and getting out to church. Um, I've been around church people for a long time, and one of the things that I have most appreciated this last year about planting a church in the South End is people are just people. And they're going to be exactly who they are. What you see is what you get. And the realness has been quite refreshing, to tell you the truth. There aren't very many church games that we're playing down in, in, in South Church. Um, <clears throat> we're just talking about truth in grace and love. That's, our, that's our, our whole thing. But there's an awful lot of people who feel like they need to like counterbalance the good with the bad, right? They think this is how God works. If I get to the end of my life and I stand before God, as long as the good pile outweighs the bad pile, I'll be all right, right? This is kind of the common cultural mentality of how God must treat the whole afterlife thing. There's a number of problems with that way of thinking, the first of which it's really not biblical, but besides that, how good is good enough? Are you really confident that your good pile is going to outweigh your bad pile? Like, like, where is the line? Like, you must have this much good to outweigh this much bad in your life? Like, the system really breaks down. God likes you exactly as you are right now with all of your failures and weaknesses and mistakes, and he loves you way too much to leave you the way he finds you. He likes you 
exactly as you are. You are created in his image and you are precious to him. And he loves you way too much to leave you the way you are right now. He's got so much more in store for you if you will trust him with your life. He's got, he's got more in store for you than you could possibly imagine if you trust him, if you put your hope in what his son Jesus did on the cross and invite the Holy Spirit to start a work in your heart and mind. God doesn't expect you to be perfect. He wants your heart. He wants you to embark on this journey of learning to trust him more and more every day. One of the things I love about God is he's not pushy. He doesn't coerce his way. He doesn't force his way in. He simply extends a gentle invitation and says, will you trust me more today than you did yesterday? And tomorrow, he's going to extend that same invitation and say, will you trust me more today than you did yesterday? And so on and so on and so on until before you know it, you look in the rearview mirror of your life and you think, who was that person back there? When God gets a hold of you and starts transforming your heart and the very way you perceive the world around you, you start to actually transform from the inside out. He is very, very good. And he likes you. And you can't impress him. That's not what this is all about. Maybe you're here tonight sitting in church because you think, if I show up to church, well, that will impress God. Showing up to church doesn't impress God. I think it's great to show up to church. I think it's important to show up to church. I think this is a great community where we can grow and learn about who he is and his heart and his character and how to become more like him. But showing up to church doesn't impress God. In fact, impressing God isn't what it's all about. God already likes you. You can be freed from the burden of thinking you need to impress him to gain favor with him. Second thing, if God likes you, it means that you can like yourself. Man, I've bumped into an awful lot of people who do not like themselves. They are ashamed of things they've said or ashamed of things that they have done or they even just hate certain things about themselves. Psalm 139 tells me that God knit each one of us together in our mother's wombs, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And yet we live in a world that is constantly trying to tell you that you don't measure up, that you are not enough, that you have all of these things, that you're not up to the standard. And if God likes you, you can embark on a journey of learning to be content with who he has created you to be. He always wants you to, he always wants you to trust him more. He's never done molding you and shaping you. He's never done transforming you this side of heaven. But we can be content in who God created us to be. He already likes us, so you can have permission to like yourself too. At a deep soul level, you can learn to like yourself. Here's a fun one. If God likes you, like if God likes you, he probably likes everybody, doesn't he? If God likes you, he probably likes everybody, including the people you don't like. 
Yes, them. <laughs> Whoever you're thinking of right now. Whether it's a person or a, a neighbor or a classmate or a colleague or a group of people or whatever. Whoever it is that you don't like, the reality is God does. Now, I'm not saying that God agrees with everything we do or champions sin or, or that every opinion is true and valid. I'm not saying that at all. But beneath whatever kind of labels and layers of sin that we heap on ourselves, underneath it is still a person made in God's image. And the fact is, the Bible tells us he likes him. And so... I am not saying that as we learn to trust God, as he molds us and shapes us to be more like him on this journey with him, I am not saying that you need to agree with everything that everybody says or that every opinion is valid or true or anything like that, but I do believe that he is going to soften your heart toward the person or the people that you don't like. Because he likes them. He likes them. <clears throat> you guys are awfully quiet for that one. <laughs> Does somebody need to interrupt me or interject anything in here? <clears throat> if God likes you, it means he also likes the people you don't like. And I know that that can be kind of a, a funny thing to think about or a tension-filled thing to think about. Maybe... There are people in your life that have caused you great hurt. Maybe you have been the victim of some terrible, terrible things. And make no mistake, it breaks God's heart. And make no more mistakes, I do not believe that God causes any hurt. Sorry, I'm going to rephrase that. Because sometimes I think that following God does hurt, but it's a good hurt. I don't think God causes evil things to happen to anybody. But I also believe that he will not waste our hurts. I also believe that God can take whatever the enemy intended for evil in our lives, and he can use it for our good, the good of those around us, and his glory. Because the reality is, even the people who have hurt you, God likes them. He doesn't like what they did. That breaks his heart. But underneath what they did, he is still a person that Jesus went to the cross and died for. And we don't get to have it both ways. If God likes us in all of our failure, in all of our mistakes, God likes everybody in all of their failure and all of their mistakes because that's who God is. And the last thing that I guess I want you to kind of understand tonight is that if God likes you, if this whole Jesus on the cross and dying and rising again to new life is true, if he has gone to prepare a place for us, then we can start living in his kingdom right now. We preach the gospel a lot here at Coastal Church and at South Church and at Yarmouth Wesleyan and many other churches on the South Shore. We preach the good news of God. 
And if you read the gospel accounts of Jesus' life in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if you read these gospel accounts of, of the life and ministry and miracles of Jesus and his death and his resurrection, you'll see that Jesus hits the scene in his adult years and he starts sharing the good news. And here's what the good news that Jesus shares is not. Jesus does not hit the scene and say, listen, I'm here, so if you pray these magical words, when you die, you can go fly away and sit on a cloud someday for all eternity. This is not the gospel that Jesus came to declare. In the gospels, it says, Jesus came and he started preaching the good news. And he said this, repent, for the kingdom of God is here. Repent is kind of an old school word, but it basically means rethink your life because God's kingdom is here. He didn't say rethink your life because God's kingdom is coming or rethink your life because God's kingdom will magically appear when you die. He said rethink your life because God's kingdom is here. And if God likes you, if God has made it possible to be in right relationship with, God, with, with him, if God liked you so much that he was willing to send his son to die and rise again, raise again so that you could be in right relationship with him, it means you can start living in his kingdom right now. I leaned over to my wife in the first service because I'd never heard that, that last song that the worship team uh, led. I don't know how I missed it because it's a great song. But that, that line, my future is heaven, caught me. And that is true. And that is good. And, and that when we die, those of us who have put our trust in Jesus, we just read it in John 3, 16, that we will not perish but have everlasting life. To, be, to, to, to leave this life right now is to be with God if we've put our, our, our hope and trust in him. And I don't know how eternity works and all that kind of thing, but it is true, my future is heaven. But you know what else is true? My present is heaven. That God has made it possible, he liked us so much that he made it possible that we can live in his kingdom right now. That his kingdom is here. And as we learn to trust him, he will transform you from the inside out. And what scripture says is if you believe that Jesus is God's son who died on a cross and was raised to life again, you can be in right relationship with God and God will start that transformation process in you right now. Jesus prayed, thy will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. God's invitation is step into my kingdom here and now. Let me be your king. I've got something incredible in store for you. And so as, as James and the band comes up here, Here's what I want you to consider. Maybe this is news to you. Maybe you didn't realize that God is good or that God might actually like you. Here's what I want you to consider for just a few minutes as the band gets set up and as we move to worship here. What if it's true? What if it's true that God actually likes you? How does that change how in a few minutes when you stand up and you walk out and you return to kind of your normal life, if you walked out there with the reality that God likes you, how does that change your evening tonight? 
How does that change tomorrow morning when that alarm goes off and you find yourself back to work or the kids are up and you don't know how you're gonna spend the day? How does the fact that God might actually like you, how does that affect your Monday morning and your Tuesday and your Wednesday? If you've never put your faith in Jesus, (laughs) scripture says that if you will admit that you don't have your life together, (laughs) that you've done things that you are not proud of, if you believe that Jesus is who he says he is and you'll commit to following after him, that you can step into God's kingdom here and now. Maybe tonight you need to step into God's kingdom. You've realized that you're building your life on sand, that all these things that you're trying to find purpose and value and hope in are coming up short time and time again. And you've tried all kinds of stuff, but maybe you've never tried God. I think you'll be surprised. Maybe tonight that's what you need to do. Maybe you've been in church, you've been dutifully showing up, religiously showing up week after week after week because you're trying to impress God, because you're trying to make sure you stay in his good books. Don't worry about it. God likes you. He's glad you're here, but you're not going to impress him. I think our only response, if this is true, if God actually likes us, if this is true, I think the only appropriate response is worship. I think all we can do is sing praises and lift our hands. And it doesn't matter if it's on time or in key or whatever. I don't think God cares. I think it is about saying, thank you for what you have done. Thank you that you like me. Thank you that even though I'm not perfect, God, I am on the journey with you and you are doing a work in me. Thank you that you are so gracious and merciful and compassionate. Thank you that you are so full of love and that in you we can find hope and peace and lasting joy that isn't dependent on my circumstance. Thank you for who you are. I think if this is true, if God actually likes us, we can only respond in worship. And so I would love for you to stand to your feet and James and the band are gonna lead us And I would love to pray for you before we do that. God, we thank you for who who you are. We thank you for how you see us. We thank you that we are all made in your image and that you like each person gathered here. God, I know that you are inviting each of us to trust you more, to, to build our lives on you, on the rock, on solid ground, Lord. And so God, I pray that your spirit would continue to be ministering in hearts and minds tonight. Lord, that you would actually change the way that we see you, that you would change the way that, that we believe you see us. And God, I pray that tonight you would set some people free. Give us the courage to step out in faith and trust you, Lord. Trust that you might actually like us, despite our pasts, despite what we've said, despite what we've done. God, I can't imagine what the community of Barrington and the surrounding area, I can't imagine what would happen if a group of people started living like God actually liked them and started bringing other people into the fold and bringing them on the good news that God likes them too. God, we praise you and we thank you for who you are. We thank you for meeting with us here tonight. And Lord, we worship you. In your holy name we pray. We really hope that this message has motivated you to go deeper in your relationship with Jesus and has inspired you to join us in our mission to take Jesus into every community of Southwest Nova. If you have any questions about the sermon, if you want to know how you can get involved, send us an email at office at coastalchurchns.com.
We'd love to get connected with you. Have a great day.